Hi, everybody, and welcome to Dublin Tech Talks. On this show, we have Sandra Healy. Uh, welcome, Sandra, uh, who is CEO and founder of Inclusio, uh, recently closing a six million Series A funding, which is uh, brilliant. Congratulations. Amazing. So it's a platform that allows organizations to understand people, build their workplace cultures where everybody feels valued, respected and recognized. Sandra, welcome. Thank you. Big Delighted time. to be welcome here. Back. Yeah. Sorry, welcome yeah. back. Welcome yeah, back. Yeah, 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 yeah. You had a virtual chat with David before. That's right, yeah. Uh, so a lot has changed in the last two years. Uh, do you want to give us a brief outline of what Inclusio is and does for organisations? Yeah, I, I might just take a minute just to start at the beginning around where the idea came yes. from and, and and bring you up to today. So uh, I suppose a lot of people that have heard me talking before would know that I spent 20 years working in the global telecoms industry uh, and I've been involved in diversity and inclusion for about 17 years. Uh, and what I realized when I was in industry is that I had really clear KPIs on one side of the work I was doing around mm. sales and customer delivery and customer experience. Uh, but when I came to the work I was doing, the very meaningful work I was doing in diversity and inclusion, I had no way to evidence the impact of my work to the business. And at the time I was studying my master's in organizational psychology in DCU. I was learning all around the science around how do you measure and understand culture and people in work. Mm. And that got me thinking that there has to be a way to combine the technology and the science together to bring a scientific evidence-based approach to measuring culture, diversity and inclusion. That was back in 2016, myself and 10 slides um, <laughs> made the brave move of coming out of industry yeah. and I actually spun the idea into DCU uh, and we secured Enterprise Ireland commercialization funding uh, and over four years in research and development then we built uh, research design, built and spun out the platform. Um, so essentially what it is, we collect uh, 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 over 100 demographic mm. data points uh, allowing people to confidentially be counted in work. Uh, we've developed a scientific model that measures culture and inclusion in work. And it allows people to give, again, confidentially give their feedback around their experience in their teams, but also their connection to the organization. Uh, and we check it. We look at things like psychological safety, trust, belonging, mm. job, uh, job supports and things like that. And then the third element of it is uh, learning. So help people understand what it's like for people who are different from themselves. Yeah. And it's all based on behavioral science nudge. So mm. it's, you know, short interactions. And essentially what we do is we help shift people's thinking and help them build empathy and understanding for others. And is it focused on enterprise clients or is it kind of what, what works best for the, for, for the platform? Is it zero to 100? It has to be a certain amount. Yeah, like the the bigger the population, uh, the the more granular the data. Um, so we protect uh, people's identity. Obviously, that's mm -hmm. the the beauty of of what we do. Uh, we are the voice of your of your people, uh, and what we do is we aggregate their data and bring it into analytics dashboards. And then the organisations, like our customers, uh, generally they're global organisations. Yeah. You know, five hundred and above. Although we do have companies that are, are smaller than that, uh, and essentially they use our data then for their their, you know, annual reports, their ESG reporting, gender pay gap. Some of our customers now are using our, mm. our insights to write their gender pay gap reports. Uh, and essentially, it helps the organization identify their strengths and weaknesses around the culture. You know, where are we doing really well? Mm. Where do we have gaps? And what are we going to focus our efforts on now for the next one to two years yeah. to kind of really start to shift things in the right direction? Yeah, I love the kind of the anonymity, anonymity, the anonymity of it. I think that's like looking at the product and and seeing the kind of last or yesterday having to look through it. Yeah, that kind of blind um, data is is really important, especially for employees that 
may feel those surveys that come out are you know clearly you can yeah. you could trace back the IP or you, you know, there's always that doubt are about you less it. than one year in the company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's interesting. Where do you sit? Yeah, it's interesting when when we did we researched before we wrote one line of code and and when we spoke to organizations, uh you know, we spoke to 35 global organizations. We said, "What's the problem? What are, what are you finding?" Mm. And the first thing they told us is we really struggle to collect the diversity data. We want to be reflective of the customers and the communities we serve, but we we don't know mm. who we have in the organization. Mm. And when we spoke to the employees, they said we don't trust the internal systems. We don't trust the engagement surveys yeah. and things like that. And we want to be heard uh, and we don't like disclosing personal things about ourselves and having that attached to our records. I, yeah, I was, I was just going to say that is that people don't want to be categorised, you know, either. Like, so is it is it like a mix? Were you, when you were thinking about how this might all work, it was a mix of that anonymous component is important, but then also like gamified, not to trivialise it, but, you know, engaging in terms of how we nudge people along that journey mm. and keep them coming back to the... I, it, we set out to solve the cha the challenges for both the employees and the organisation. Mm. And um, so the nudge element and the short interactions piece was uh, time and cost efficiency from the organisation perspective. Mm -hmm. um, but also the gamified piece then is uh, that the employee is getting something at the same time as they're giving back. Yeah. You so they have the opportunity to be counted, have a voice um, and also learn. So, there, you know, there's articles, videos, personal stories and things, mm. but short interactions. So it, it, they get something back every time they, yeah. they go in. Um, and from an organizational perspective, it means they get what they need to be able to shift things in the right direction. Yeah. So that we set out to deliberately build something. Um, it was interesting. One of our, uh, and there's still our customer uh, here in Ireland, Sodexo, uh, they came to us with the challenge of distributed workers, you know, mm. so mm. The, their model is people come in and then they, they're distributed in other sites. Mm. Uh, and, and that was a big influence for us around uh, how do you know what's happening around the edge? You know, mm. if people are in different locations, yeah. how do you get a sense of the culture? Uh, and interestingly, then we spun out into COVID uh, mm. and here we have everybody has a <laughs> hybrid distributed workforce. And um, so that was just good timing, I think, on, on our part that we help. So that's part of our data. It doesn't matter where you're your people are, mm. uh, we give we're able to give you that sense check around you know what's working and what's not from a cultural perspective. Any surprising results for anything that you've come through? Is there you know that you kind of went oh I wasn't expecting that. Or, yeah, I know. think um, like we, we do a lot of work. We're starting to do more work with sectors now, mm. um, uh, which is, is much more mm. meaningful. So we do global benchmarks through the platform. Um, but I think where it's really insightful is when you start getting down to sector benchmarks. So we're working with the insurance sector in Ireland and the UK and soon to be in other markets as well uh, and creating sector benchmarks. But when, when we look at the data, one of the surprises for us uh, is um, we're working on a project with uh, Stanford University and Ulster University around neurodiversity okay. and what's the experience like for neurodiverse individuals in work. And what we have found when all things are equal, um, there's slightly lower levels of belonging which mm. is very interesting, right? Because mm. that's never come out in any research before. And Professor Lawrence Fung in Stanford, uh, his area of expertise is uh, is working around neurodivergent individuals in work. And that's his center of excellence there. So we're going to publish papers on the back of that. And what we can do is bring the insights from that back into the platform to help managers uh, be more equipped around getting the best out of your people. And it's very much focused on a strengths based, you know, mm. how do I get the best out of people? What do I need to do mm. as a leader? to make sure that I'm I'm doing the best for my team. 
that that's what, we, you know, we describe ourselves as a social impact business, right? We set out to be the voices of people in work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, you know, that kind of cycle of bringing insight back in through the platform to make the workplace better is really, really important. And you mentioned the pandemic. Clearly, you know, it was a catalyst for a lot of change that that employee employer dynamic shifted, you know, people's expectations of what the world of work would look like changed. And then, you know, companies were very focused on trying to keep people engaged, you know, keep a semblance of productivity and, you know, all the business reasons why they would all of a sudden put a lot of attention and focus on investment into areas like this. Yeah. How have you any view on what the future looks like as we move into a more cost containment and financially challenging phase? Are people starting to roll back from that or, you know, because the employee experience and expectations haven't changed? Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I I remember it was actually this time last year. um, Every year I kind of look at what's the research out there and what's the predictions when it comes to people in work. And this time last year, all the predictions were um, the 2022 was the year of employee employee of the employee, Mm. you know, and and what you what you saw last, you know, at the beginning of last year in the back end of coming out of COVID, I think there was a lot of, um, you know, kind of protests and where you saw employees coming together and Mm. withholding their labor to force their employer to behave in a certain way. And I think that was the prediction then that 2022 would become this, uh, the year when when employees kind of really mobilize and and enforce that. Mm. And in my personal view, it's I haven't seen it in, in any research yet, is that I think um, what's happening in the tech industry now and is probably shaking that a yeah. little bit, you mm-hmm. know, um, like there was a huge drive of uh, hiring and hiring in tech. And, and a lot of the companies now are saying, look, you know, we probably wasn't the right business model for mm-hmm. us and we're having to scale back. I think that's going to kind of unseat things a little. Right. So yeah. uh, it, it was inevitable. I think it had to happen. Um I, it's an interesting question you ask. Uh, we 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 did a launch actually yesterday with Grant Thornton, and we had a panel. We had Margot Slattery and um, uh, some of our customers uh, uh, from Linesight on a on a panel. And that question, that's what we were asking: What are we seeing changing in diversity and inclusion? Mm. And what we're starting to see is a lot of those companies now, mm. where they had hired senior DNI people, they're letting them go. Okay, <laughs> interesting. So that's interesting. Mm. That, so that's a sector that we're starting to see a change. Um, yeah. What impact will that have? I see that as an opportunity for Inclusio, mm. right? Because what we bring is in a very efficient way, the data that you need to know what do we need to focus our efforts on. Mm. OK, so whether that's led by your senior diversity and inclusion person or it's driven by the senior team or it's driven by your employee resource groups, mm-hmm. we get you the insight that you need to make the right decisions around what do we focus our efforts on. Just on that, I was actually reading an article I just posted about the tech sector. It nearly seems like the layoffs are them trying to reinforce their power away from employees that, hey, you guys thought you were so important. We can actually cut you so quickly and you need to want to work with us again rather than feel that, you you know, that kind of pull and push type mentality. And it, there's something behind it. I see like the salaries were just going up and up and up and suddenly, you know, you tell that sector you're not as important as you once thought. People go, oh, wait there, I better... Very cynical view of the world. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them have very... Strong balance sheets, and you look at it and go, "There's no real reason to cut ten percent of your workforce unless you want to just cut costs." Yeah, I think it's it's 
it, capitalism in action, though, isn't yeah, it? It's, mm-hmm. you know, when you get to a certain level of profitability, there's an expectation that yeah, that's what you're going to produce yeah. for your yeah. shareholders. And I think, um, it, I suppose if, if we were having this conversation six months ago, I might have kind of probably thought, yeah, I can see that. But I think as I've seen the whole sector now, it's starting to move down into the smaller companies. Mm-hmm. It's starting to, I think economically, there's a lot of uncertainty around there and there's a lot of different factors outside employers control that have, you know, have created that environment. Um, and, and, you know, I think you have to be conservative at the moment, you know, around the survival of your business. So I think there's mm. a balance. It's not the same for all of them. So mm. I agree. We're not going into individual cases. Yeah. But but I do think there has had to be a reset in that sector. And no doubt, OK, it will grow again. There'll be new innovation. They'll be higher back again. Mm. But I just think it'll probably be in a more sustainable way when it does come back. But that, that uncertainty is a key uh kind of influencer for the data that you will then see around belonging, you know, people's security and mm. psychological safety, all of that. So, I mean, you know, it's the people who are left behind and unaffected by a redundancy process are still very much affected by that process, right? Absolutely. And like I've been in when I was in tech, I've been in companies that were taken over and downsized. And so I look, mm-hmm. I'm 20 years, you can be sure I've gone <laughs> through what's happening now in the sector. Uh, and and that's that's a great point to make, you know, the people who are left behind, you know, how do you stabilize them? How do you know if things are not where they need to be? Psychological mm-hmm. safety, really, really important aspect for innovation. And people feeling like that they're valued and and Mm. that they have a voice in the company. So I think in some ways I I admire some of the companies that how they're going about things. They're being very transparent Mm. and they're doing it quickly. And what they need to do then after that then is just focus on connecting your people back into the Mm. mission of the business and just trust that you get the head down, you build a sustainable organization and you'll grow again. Mm. Um, But absolutely, you need to stay very close to your people while that's happening, because what you don't want is to lose the talent that you've you've kept in the business. It's it's funny, the hiring over the last two years, a lot of people felt irrespective of what company they had that kind of bottom layer of the Maslow triangle sorted and it was just about the other things where now it's coming back to that your first layer very important is you know you need to make sure that people are feel safe within their organisation to, to start prospering again where people were just going I'll move to the next company I'll get a bit of a pay rise I'll move to the next company I'll get a bit of a pay rise and, and that's what was kind of happening Yeah No and, and I think again a really great point and, and certainly you know over the last two years we've been trying to hire in in the you know in startup sector yeah. it's been very difficult mm-hmm. to compete for talent uh, and certainly on the tech side of things it's been very difficult and not just me like I'm you know my network of entrepreneurs mm. are, have really struggled mm. so I'm hoping that this creates more of an opportunity for uh, for those people to maybe join startups and help grow the next big companies that are listing and, mm. you know, more unicorns coming out yeah, because we have really struggled um, to, to find local tech in particular, not just us, but I, I mean in that community, like mm. we're over in Dogpatch Labs. Uh, there's, I think there's nearly 200 companies yeah. in there, you know, it's so... Hopefully what we will see is is um, some people who've been impacted, by, you mm. know, by the the, um, the layoffs will consider coming yeah, into the startup community. Yeah. I'd love mm. that. That would be absolutely mm. fantastic. I remember yeah. we spoke before, I think, you know, to separate you, uh, separate from Inclusio, the business, but you as an entrepreneur and an early 
you know, stage company founder. Remember you talked before about being really intentional about the hiring, getting out into communities, you know, where female engineering talent were, for example, and, yeah. you know, and aggressively, you know, in the nicest possible way, you know, targeting people and getting them, you know, on board. Yeah. Like, should you be, you know, with all the, you know, on the far side of that journey, with all the data you have about why it's important to have diverse teams, like as a founder, should you be thinking from day one about diversity across your business? Absolutely, because it's easier to do it when you're, there's only three or four of you. Mm -hmm. And if you do it intentionally, uh, like if I look at our stats, uh, we just went through an audit with one of our investors now, an ESG audit, and just looking, I think we've like 18, 19 different nationalities mm. uh, where, uh, where I think 60, 40 on the gender balance piece. We've no gender pay gap. Now, some of those things are very deliberate and some of them are just by design, right? We're a diversity and inclusion company. We're social impact. We're going to attract yeah. people that yeah. are commi committed to our mission. Um, but absolutely, it, 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 all of us in, in the company when it comes to hiring, like I know that, you know, I'm a white Irish person, you know, where am I going to get the best innovation sitting in a room with 10 people who are all from different parts of the world and different mm. perspectives and different ages and different backgrounds are 10 white Irish people the same as me. Yeah. Like it just makes sense, mm. right? And innovation in our platform, we have to innovate, we have to keep it fresh and alive so mm. that people enjoy using it. And where's that going to come from? That has to come from the perspectives. So everyone in our company inputs where, you know, we don't have siloed areas, mm. everyone inputs into the innovation um, and and the community in Dogpatch and Fairness is yeah, brilliant for that. Brilliant. It allows us to do that. Uh, so it is a critical part of our business. So to your question, should you be doing it from the beginning? Absolutely. And then what about a company who is just, you know, not through negligence, but just hasn't, you know, it hasn't been, uh, it hasn't worked out, right? And they're a little further along. Yeah. Do you, do you find with the customers who come to you and are engaging for the first time, is that first step the hardest? Like kind of just admitting, look, we are where we are. Let's just level set, get some data and start to move forward. Is that sometimes the most difficult decision for companies who maybe aren't where they want to be? Yeah, I, I think um, most companies at this stage, particularly in the in you know the size of the organisations we're working with, um, they, they their biggest challenge is getting beyond gender. Yeah. So most of them have made really good strides mm. um, and you know intentional <laughs> um, you know action around gender. Um, but the challenge then becomes how do how do I get beyond gender? Because mm -hmm. now you're into protected characteristic data. Now yeah. you're into the tricky side of things, and you have to do that in in a very transparent and. Uh, intentional, use that word again, mm. way, um, or, or your employees are just not going to stick with you on it, right? Yeah. So, and that's where we come in. So it's interesting, like we do a lot of work with the construction sector, which is who mm. thought, right? Yeah. We never thought mm. that uh, uh, we would, you know, um, be successful in, in the construction sector, but that's exactly the challenge they have is how do I get beyond gender? Mm. And actually one of our clients said that we have advanced their diversity and inclusion by three years wow. because wow. we got them what they needed to mm. build their people plan, to build their diversity and inclusion strategy, to get the board bought in. Mm. That's a big thing, yeah. right? How how do I have the 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 information and the data I need that's linked to my business KPIs that shows that this is this is what we need to be focusing our efforts on. And mm. um, so getting started, that's we're fantastic for that, right? You're not trying to unpick anything. It's very clean. You have mm. the inclusive data, you start, you, you can build your strategies, your policies and practices around the data that we produce for you. Good. Wow. And 
bit I like as well. Entrepreneurship. Yeah. How are you enjoying it? It's it's what you know. Come twenty years on, and then coming into a product that clearly you love and have passion for. Yeah. You know. What, is it what you expected on the journey or has it been a lot harder? Um, That's a question. Depends on what day you ask me, I'd say. <laughs> I think um, uh, I'd never heard this word before. Actually, I went into DCU, which is uh, intrapreneurship. Mm. I don't know if you've ever heard yeah. of that. I certainly hadn't, um, but it did apply to me. I think every company I've ever worked in, when I went in there, I was always taking things apart and putting them back mm. together or creating new revenue lines and things like that. So absolutely. Um, and entrepreneurship is in my family as well. So it's obviously in the blood. Mm. Um, I think uh, for me, combining my passion with the technology and entrepreneurship, like that's absolute magic when you put all of that yeah. together. Would I be putting this amount of effort into something maybe that I wasn't as passionate about? Probably not. Yeah, for sure. Not, certainly not at this stage in my life <laughs> when I should be slowing things down, right? Um, but look, I'm 100% committed to to the opportunity we have to make the world a better place. For me, that's really, really important. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that gives me... A, a lot of energy and keeps me going um, but it's a tough road I have to say not for the faint hearted <laughs> and when did you have that aha moment when you went great we have a product here this is something that actually works and a lot of research came behind it so there was a lot of development to get to the point when did you go oh thank god we, we, we're here it's actually working and the MVP is yes I have many of those moments, right? Because the platform is in is still in my head, right? We're mm. we're only at kind of ten percent of what I know it's capable of doing, right? So, so for me, I have lots of those moments of when I see something comes out of my head, goes into the design team, there's a Figma mm. made, and all of a sudden now, and then we've a prototype, and now it's working. But I think for me, the very first customer we had on the platform, so we spun out a DCU in uh, December, the first of December, twenty twenty. Right, yeah. in, in straight into COVID, yeah, and we had I to build the straps. Right, yeah. we had to figure out the the. Um, yeah, the plans are to, at the window. We had to yeah. figure out how do we keep this going, <laughs> and our first customer, and I'm sure they wouldn't mind me saying, uh, was AMCK Aviation, okay. so an aviation company that had just gone through a takeover, mm. uh, and they used our data to help them bring the culture back together, to help the leadership team guide them on wh what is it, what do we need to do, and um, to to create this single culture and get get the business is moving and keeping people productive like we worked with them for a year and um, with the managers and the leadership team and and helped the our, the HR uh, lead uh, who's now working for us uh, helped her <laughs> um, build a people strategy and and like that for me was the magic yeah. right because they that was the first it was a live customer thankfully mm. everything went perfect uh, but to see the output and to see what, what, what how the data can be used in a company mm. for me was absolute magic. And that's I see that over and over again. Mm. You know, we have customers now who are into two years have, are re-signing with us. Mm. Like that for me, that's another uh, another testament to, you know what, we're on the right track. We're doing the right thing yeah. here. And I'm, I'm guessing with anything, the evolution of the data set and track is, is really the 
the gold part for companies. So it isn't like one year journey. It's not a two year journey. It's a it's a, a continuous journey. You don't fix your culture in a year. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. I, and I think any any employer will know that. You know, it's never ending. And every time you you hire in another group of people, mm, or yeah. yeah, everything shifts again, right? So it's an ongoing thing. Um, it really it's around the question is, am I focused on the right things mm. that are going to have the right level of impact for the people in the organisation? And and that that's an important mm. uh, part, you know, part of what we bring is what do I need to focus on? You can't do everything. You can't do that, right? Mm. But at least if you're using the voices of your people to make the decisions around what's important to them. And then you, and you're very transparent around that. You're showing them the analytics. You're bringing that back and saying, look, we asked you. This is what you told mm. us. So this is what we're going to focus our efforts on. I think we're, we're doing a lot of work I, I mentioned with insurance and uh, we've created, uh, working with SIRDAS, uh, I don't know if you've heard of that, the Centre for Insurance Risk and Data Analytics in the Southeast Technology University. And over the next two years, we're a year into it now, we're, we're working with the sector uh, and it's called Voices. So valuing openness, inclusive culture and equity in insurance. And for me, I love that, right? Yeah. You're taking a sector and it's about the voices of the people in the sector, yeah. right? So I know we're working with the employers, right? They're our customers, but our real our customers are the employees who work yeah. in that sector. So what we're doing is as we roll out into each company, combining those voices into sector benchmarks. Uh, for me, that's very powerful, mm. right? Because now what you have is the collective of the people working in a sector helping to identify and, and guide the employers around what's important to them. That's very powerful. Yeah, it yeah. is. And it's, it's, you know, listening to you, the product, you can clearly see where, you know, why somebody would invest in the business and, you know, in a very tough yep. um, investment six months. <laughs> so it was, it was brilliant to see. Um, last, You mentioned, sorry, you mentioned those distributed yeah. workforces and that's yeah. the thing, isn't it? It's like to have a mechanism to get, you know, to understand it's not one size fits all approach. Like you may need to have a tailored approach for people, as you said, on the edge who have a different experience because of the way their ways of working are set up. So it's quite a nuanced thing, can only be solved with clear data. I think, yeah, like I, when I talk about culture, I say it lives within the collective behavior of everyone in the organization, mm. right? So that's it. That's the way we do things around here. That's what culture mm, is, essentially. Yeah. And then when you think about your people managers, they are the custodians of your culture. And what you're trying to do is create a consistent experience, no matter who you work for. Mm. And unfortunately, that's not what happens, right? So how like it really should be no matter who I am, no matter what my difference, that no matter what part of the business I'm working in, I, I get access to the same opportunities. Things are equitable. You know, I, I'm you're it's based on getting the best out of me and it's based on me being highly productive for the organization. Now, we all know. That's the utopia, mm. right? That's not that's not the reality on the day to day. But if there's anything we can do to help start to shift things in the right direction, yeah. like quite often what we do is we follow up, we go in on the back of Inclusio, we have a people science team that are experts in organizational psychology and diversity and inclusion. So they'll follow in and, and row in after and maybe do things like inclusive leadership development and um, building trust and psychological safety in your teams and, and that kind of thing. So we're, we help the company fill in the gaps as well. But that's what we're trying to get to is that consistent mm. experience no matter where you work in the organisation. Brilliant. It's it's You can see, why, as I said, why it's so successful and, and hope it continues and, and the product drives. So uh, congratulations. Yeah, it's been great to follow your story. So best thank luck, you. continued success. Yep. Sandra Healy, thank you. CEO, co-founder of Inclusio. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank see you, Sandra. Yep. Thanks. Thanks.
And that was Sandra Healy, uh, CEO and founder of Inclusio, a very interesting Irish business that has um, come from a passion project of Sandra's. As you can, what I got from 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 the conversation there was she was, you know, it's really passionate for what she's trying to do and she's very engaged in it but the product itself is is super interesting that engagement of the employee uh, ensuring that people feel valued respected and recognized within an organization if you're an, an organization that is trying to retain staff or even trying to attract staff i think that's a super important area to be in if you did find that interesting uh, please subscribe to our youtube channel um or to our spotify or apple um podcasts uh wherever you get your podcasts and um, we'll talk to you soon thanks